Proverbs driven life because if you're not, your living doesn't make any sense. So let's go back to our study. When we stopped last, we stopped at verse 10 of chapter 17 of Proverbs. So we want to pick up at verse 11. So if we can have someone read verse 11, please. Do you think they realize that? If they do, they're not paying any attention to it. Because we see every day what's happening to evil people, right? We see the consequences of living an evil life. It's all over the media. It's Sometimes some of us see the eyewitnesses of it. So we see it all the time. The only thing evil people look for is rebellion. If someone does them something wrong, they want to get back at them. They are reluctant to submit to lawful authority, as we often see, and are determined to have their own way. Always determined to have their own way. The cruel messenger who would be sent against the rebellious could be the police officer, or the police officer sent by the law to carry out the law, or it could be the messenger of death sent by God. Those are the two things that the evil person can expect. If they've done something wrong, they'll always be looking over their shoulders. Sooner or later, the police officer is going to come. Or it could be death itself. And so for the evil person, uh, it's a dangerous life to live. It's like playing Russian roulette. You never know when the next chamber that comes up is going to be one with a bullet in it. Verse 12. So what happens to a person who has a ferocious 17 and 12 verse 12 Yeah verse 12 Chapter 17, verse 12. That's it. Verse 12, right. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 12. Okay, I think Sister Brenda had it. Read it again. Has anyone here ever been in that dilemma? You've been there. I came in Alaska. National Park in Montana. My brother and I were the guys who were walking down a trail, real thick brush on the right, the river on the left, and all of a sudden my brother's behind me said, a bear, and the big mama with her two yearlings, Whoa. about as close as we are, and her guy was in front of us. Mm. And she stood up on her uh, iron legs. We backed down real fast. We didn't want to have anything to do with that, and then she just kind of did her own thing. Exactly. And that's a good illustration. The only thing that Mother Bear had in mind or she was thinking about was her cubs. That's the only thing. Now, never mind that you didn't have any intentions of bothering with the cubs. The only thing that Bear was thinking about was her cubs. And so as ferocious and uncontrollable as a bear robbed of her cubs is, she is not as quite as dangerous as a fool with a bad temper. 
Now, a bear who's been robbed of a cup is terrible. I mean, you, you don't want to face it. But nothing is, is worse than a fool. First of all, the first strike against him is he's a fool. That's the first strike. The second strike is he's got a bad temple. Bad combination. You don't want to meet those. And there are many people who have met that combination and sad to say they didn't survive. I'm sure I told you of a neighbor that I had who, who lost his life uh, because of a similar situation. Nothing will stop him when he gets some crazy idea in his head. And for a fool, the only thing he has in his head is crazy, crazy ideas. Doesn't have anything that makes sense. Okay, so you don't want to even con confront such a person. Verse 13. If anyone returns evil for good, now we remember this uh, story uh, in the Bible about this, right? Remember David? Any person, who repay, any person who repays kindness with hurtfulness will have a curse upon their house. And uh, sad to say there are many people who have experienced this. You know, someone did, did them something wrong and the person did something kind for them sort of to make up for the wrong that they've done and because of the spitefulness of that person they didn't accept the kindness they decided to do something bad and as a result they suffered the consequence the curse was put upon the house despite his loyalty David repaid Uriah his general with nothing but deceitfulness remember that? and as a result he brought misery upon his house classic example in scripture yet people continue to do it they don't think before they act verse 14 we often don't think about that in the small way that a small in the same way that a small hole in a ditch gets bigger and bigger and bigger as rushing water flows through it the water going through it makes it Enlarge, it gets bigger and bigger. So it is with arguments. Since minor disputes have a way of escalating out of into major proportions, we need to be very, very careful and stop the dispute while it is still small. Otherwise, could very well have a war on our hands. And as often as we've seen that happen, and as often we've, as, we've, as we have experienced that in our own lives, we never seem to get the message that we ought to stop an argument while it's still small. Verse 15. Okay. Acquitting the guilty. Condemning the innocent. The Bible reminds us that both are just as detestable to, to God. Since God hates any miscarriages of justice, freeing the guilty or condemning the innocent is just plain hateful to Him. And we see it happen all the time. It, it happens just about every day. Today our courts of law are filled with this. Our lawyer could say amen, right? <laughs> it's filled with this today. Verse 16. Why isn't that so? But you know that's happening? 
That is happening today. There, there are fools that are being educated. People are spending hundreds, thousands of dollars to educate fools who do not have a heart for learning. Anyone who goes to great expense to get an education and doesn't really mean business is a fool. Plain and simple. Bible said so. To be a good learner, a person must be highly motivated. Another more likely meaning of this proverb is this. When a fool doesn't have the ability to grasp things in the first place, he should not spend money for wisdom. Fools think they can buy wisdom like they can buy a loaf of bread. But what they fail to realize is that they must have an understanding heart first and foremost. And so if you're a parent and you've got a child who doesn't like to listen, who the Bible describes, who has all the biblical characteristics of foolishness, don't spend your money educating them because they have no heart for learning. Hmm? Oh, you got plenty of those. You have a lot of those. Verse 17. A friend loves at all times. Okay, in hardship, as well as in richness, a friend's loyalty proves their love. And we've all experienced that, haven't we? It's at those times that you can easily tell who is a friend and who is not. It usually takes hard times to show which friends are truly loyal. Let me read that in this way. Go ahead. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help his child. <laughs> Amen. In other words, being at your side when you need him most is one of the great privileges of brotherhood. Being there when they are most needed. Tremendous privilege of brotherhood. Very true. Mm -hmm. So the question is, what kind of friend are you? There's a huge difference between knowing someone well and being a true friend. Big difference. Loyalty is the greatest evidence of genuine friendship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 7, we read, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. This means that being available to help in times of distress or personal struggle. Too many people are what we call fair weather friends. Know anyone like that? Fair weather friends. They stick around when the friendship helps them. And then they leave when they're not getting any, anything out of a relationship. Think of your friends and assess your loyalty to them. Be the kind of true friend the Bible encourages. And you'll, you'll reap a world of rewards. Verse 18. It's poor judgment to guarantee another person's death. 
Okay, we come back to one of these verses. We've seen this verse before. Uh, in verse, uh, this, this is actually a modification of verse 17, but we've seen this verse before in Proverbs. But this verse is a modification of, of the previous verse we just read, verse 17, because it shows that love should not be without good judgment. It would be a case of bad judgment. In other words, to agree to guarantee the debts of a friend if they defaulted on a financial obligation simply because any person who needs a guarantee is a bad credit risk. Why put up security for a bad credit risk? And sometimes bad judgment is what causes a lot of people to get in trouble. You know, I've been, uh, in, in banking, I worked in, loan, in, in the loans department uh, for a while and I can tell you uh, many people came in there weeping in tears because they guaranteed a loan for someone who they thought was a friend and the person defaulted and what they didn't realize was that the bank was holding the money in their bank account and so when they went to the bank to withdraw money from their account they found that they didn't have the money they thought they had they came down and to, to find out from the teller where did my money go and lo and behold they ended up in loans where they didn't expect to end up and it was explained to them that well you know remember you know so certain while back you guaranteed this loan to so and so and uh, unfortunately they defaulted and so the money what they would have paid came from your account and so many people exercise bad judgment when it comes to guaranteeing debts for others <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Never lend the wood you can't afford to lose, okay? During all that same time. Never lend a friend money that you expect to get back. You better just give it to them. Just give it to them. Okay? Never lend anyone you can give. That's right. Hmm? I, I said, seeing like most of the time, so that's some uh, good advice we need to take. Uh, verse 19. So anyone who loves transgression also loves strife and vice versa. The person who trusts in high walls is a person who first of all speaks with arrogance, secondly makes known his wealth loudly, brags about what he has, and thirdly lives lavishly and perhaps beyond his means. This person courts destruction, just waiting for them. And so anyone who loves to quarrel loves sin or a life of sin. Verse 20. Crooked heart will not prosper. Lying tongue tumbles into trouble. What is a crooked heart? <laughs> Someone that's not too straight. <laughs> okay. Dishonesty, right? Dishonesty, a dishonest heart never ever wins. And we see it all the time. 
A lying tongue never ever prospers. All they do is invite trouble and prevent the happiness that they would have had otherwise. And we've seen that happen over and over again. Uh, verse 21. Read that again. To have a fool for a son brings grief. In other words, it's painful to be a parent of a fool. And many parents who have children like that can attest to that. Painful sorrow is what, is what the parent of a senseless fool lives with day after day after day. And being the father of a rebel certainly is no joy at all either. Because they find themselves always around the court or the police station. Always. Verse 22. There's nothing more cheerful than a cheerful heart. Good heart. More, nothing more than good medicine than a cheerful heart. But you notice how a, a broken spirit have, have a tendency to just suck away all the strength that you have? Here again we discover that a person's mental point of view has a lot to do with how they recuperate from either sickness or accident. A cheerful nature is a powerful healing aid. A person's strength is exhausted by a broken and unhappy spirit. Doctors tell us today that a hearty laugh is a great exercise. Because when you give off an explosive laugh, they say your diaphragm descends deep into your body and your lungs expand, greatly increasing the amount of oxygen being taken into them. At the same time, as it expands sideways, the diaphragm gives your heart a gentle rhythmic massage, they say. The heart then resounds, responds by beating faster and harder, speeding up the circulation. Your entire system gets a refreshing lift because the liver, the stomach, pancreas, spleen, and gallbladder are all stimulated. Boy, didn't know the laughter did all that, right? That's what laughter does. <laughs> all of which confirms, all of which confirms what Aristotle, that old Greek sage, said about laughter more than 2,000 years ago. He said, it is a bodily exercise precious to the health. And so true. The Bible confirms it. A bodily exercise precious to health. But all laughter is not healthy. Let's keep that in mind. Okay? You know what to go all out laughing and then find seven problems. A psychology professor at the University of Tennessee, Howard Paulus, reports that when laughter and smiling are used in a hostile way, like to snare at, to ridicule, or to embarrass, they are unhealthy and can actually do more harm to the laugher than to the one who's being laughed at. Okay, and so we need to keep that in mind. And then he says, a broken spirit dries the bones. 
And Blake Clark agrees with this. He says, emotions can make you ill. They can make hair fall out by the handful, bring, a, bring on splitting headaches, clog nasal passages, make eyes and nose water with asthma and allergies, tighten the throat with laryngitis, make the skin break out in a rash, even cause teeth to fall out. Emotions can plague one's insides with ulcers and cause miscarriages in women and impotence in men, and much more. In other words, emotions can actually kill, according to scientific evidence. And so this is what uh, the writer of Proverbs wants us to be mindful of. And so being cheerful means being ready to greet others with a welcome word. A welcome, a word of encouragement, an enthusiasm for the task at hand, and a positive view of the future. Such people are as welcome as medicine that relieves pain. So you need to be a cheerful person, a person who always has a word of encouragement. The Bible tells us that we are to, to uh, edify people with what we say. Alright, not cause them pain, anguish, discouragement, but to encourage. positive outlook of the future, positive point of view. And you'd be surprised at how many people, including yourself, will benefit from it. Verse 23. Okay. What does a wicked person do, according to this verse? Take bribes, secret bribes, to prevent what? Okay, a wicked person accepts bribes under the table to manipulate the judge's decision in his favor. I was talking with a friend the other day, and uh, just this week, was it Thursday? And he was telling me that the injustices that he see, or the, 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 the taking of bribes under the table on his job, literally gives him a headache. Literally. He says sometimes he goes on holding his head when he sees some of the stuff that's going on. But we see it, it's happening all the time. A wicked person accepts bribes under the table to manipulate the judge's decision in their favor. Verse 24. So I suppose people keep their eyes glued on this so sensible people have a kind of understanding to set wisdom as the goal before their eyes. And, and they move directly to it, toward it. They don't waver. They don't take tangents, side roads and shortcuts. Rather than search for wisdom which requires discipline, a fool has no definition or ambition. So his eyes wander all over the place, because all they do is fantasize. 
So while it's beneficial to have big dreams, nothing wrong with that, this proverb points out the foolishness of chasing fantasies. In other words, having eyes that wander to the ends of the earth, as the writer of Proverbs puts it. And then Proverbs 12:11 says, A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has what? <coughs> no sense at all. Nothing. It would be much better to line up your goals with God's by being the kind of person who He wants you to be. Such goals as wisdom, honesty, patience, and love may not look too exciting, but they will determine your eternal future. Take some time to think about your dreams and goals and make sure that they cover the really important areas of life from God's perspective, from God's point of view, not from man's. Man will always trip us up. Man will always lead you astray. Man will always disappoint. But God will not. Verse 25. So here we have another verse that talks about how unruly children affect their parents. Having a child who causes nothing but grief and bitterness is one of the greatest sorrows of parenthood. We see it all the time. It breaks our hearts sometimes when we see how some children uh, treat their parents. Verse 26. Okay, so while it's not wrong to punish the godly for being good or to beat leaders for being honest, this distortion of justice takes place every single day in our system, in our world, all around us. And I guess you lawyers see more of it than we do, eh? Uh, we, don't, we don't hear all the stories. We don't see all of it. You know, it's not reported in the news medium. And so I guess you get to see more than we see. Okay, verse 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a true spirit is a man of understanding. Okay, so rash language, short temper, reveals a shallow character. Any person who is rash and have a bad temper, you automatically know what kind of character that person has. Okay, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure that out. Okay, verse 28. So, a fool cannot be singled out by facial appearance only, because they could look so wise. Don't judge by appearances. What is it? Don't judge the book by its cover? And many people do that. Uh, James uh, G. Sinclair writes, sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut and let people wonder if you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. <laughs> Good advice. 
And so, three benefits of keeping quiet are highlighted by this proverb. One, if you have nothing meaningful to say, it's the best policy to have. Secondly, it gives you the opportunity to listen and learn. And thirdly, it gives you something in common with those who are wiser. And so the point is, make sure you stop and think. Stop to think and to listen, so that when you do speak, you have something really important to say. And you don't make yourself look like a fool. Amen? And we're going to stop there today and pick up and we come back, Lord willing. But I believe God has given us much food for thought. Uh, we have much to dwell on as we go through the course of this week. Uh, some of us will get a challenge uh, to apply some of this to our, to our lives. And I trust that you will remember uh, what it means to have a Proverbs-driven life or to live a common-sense way of life. Amen?